As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Hi, everyone, and welcome to episode 37 of the Professional Book Nerds podcast presented by Overdrive. This is Adam, and I am so excited for you guys to hear this podcast. Jill sat down with Christina and newcomer to the podcast, Sarah, and they got into a amazing conversation about dystopian books that they love and some of the series that they want to love and actually some of the ones that they don't love as well. Um, You know how you have that one friend who has really great book recommendations and you go to them for every single book that you're interested in reading? Our office is literally dozens and dozens and dozens of those types of people. So that's why you're continuously hearing different voices on the podcast because everyone here loves reading and they all have some really awesome things to share and provide insight on for all these different genres. And Sarah and Christina and Jill are no different. They were unbelievable. Uh, Very, very exciting stuff. If you like any of the books that they're talking about and you want to sample and then borrow those titles, just go to overdrive.com. There's a button there that says explore and we have a professional book nerds reading list that we update every single week with our podcast titles that we mentioned. So you can go in, you can sample that title and then find it in the library near you to use your library card and borrow it. If you want to provide some feedback, if you are liking some of the new voices that you're hearing on the episodes and want to let us know, feel free to email feedback at overdrive.com or leave a rating in iTunes and anywhere that you have a podcast app. We take a look at all of those. So yeah, you can also find us on Twitter, Facebook, uh, Pinterest, all that good stuff. But I'm not going to spend any more time. I'm incredibly excited for you guys to hear this dystopian conversation. It's really fantastic. A bunch of outstanding book recommendations in this one. So not going to take up any more time. Enjoy this episode of the Professional Book Nerds Podcast. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the 37th episode of the Professional Book Nerds podcast presented by Overdrive. I am your host, Jill, and today I have with me Christina and Sarah. Hello, ladies. Hi. 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 It's Christina's back again, and this is Sarah's first time. Are you excited? I'm excited. Good. That's good. Um, so today we're going to be talking a lot about dystopian. Woo. I know. It's a Do very... Woo dystopian? I don't know. I was like, it's a fun... Is it really a fun genre? It can be. It, it can, can be, be, yes. Yeah. For the dark souls out there. No, I'm just <laughs> no. Oh. Well, that certainly explains why I like it. No, yeah. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, but before we get into that and sort of what that means, has anyone read anything good recently that you want to talk about, dystopian or otherwise? Um, um, well, I, as you guys know from the YA podcast, I read a lot of YA books just on top of the wide variety of books that I read. And right before I came into this room, I, I asked Andrea from the YA podcast, I was like, hot take. Lunar Chronicles, dystopian or not? And she said, for sure. Oh, yes. So the Lunar Chronicles takes place between Earth and the moon, and the moon's become this, like, established colony. Not even colony, like, country on it, in itself. Mm-hmm. And that's definitely dystopian. It's, like, been taken over by these people with abilities and glamours and all this crazy stuff. And that, I, I think that was such a huge part of the story, is how they kind of overthrew this tyrannic sort of, and I don't want to give any spoilers away, but spoiler, they, the good guys win. Right. <laughs> um, but I, I I was asking, and it's so funny how much dystopia comes through, I think, a lot in YA, but for me, I, I always felt that, like, The Hunger Games was, like, my first YA book that I felt covered the dystopian mm-hmm. arc really well, and since then, it's kind of grown, and there are series that do it really well, and there are series who I personally don't think do it very well. But right. Anyway, so, uh, Lunar Chronicles, if you've not read it, combines YA and dystopia, which are two things that I love. I love the Lunar Chronicles. I have not read it. It's, it's really good. good. I haven't actually even heard of it until you just mentioned it. Do you like um, fairy tales? Yeah, I love some of my oh, favorite This is totally what you need. Fairy, you my have favorite, to read it. Yeah, my favorite thing is fairy tale retellings. Oh my god, then you have to read the yeah. Lunar Drop Chronicles. Everything. Drop everything. Drop everything. Change your life. Like, five what? books. Like, commit. It's so good. It's, it's so good. Like, I can't, like, it starts. There's so many, though. No, but, but they're short and they're fast not, reads. No, that's a lie. Well, I mean, it's short, but. <laughs> they're not short. Not short. But I found them very. They're, they're quick easy read. to digest. Like, that. And you don't have to feel like you have to record. It's, so it's the first story is like Cinderella retold. She's a cyborg. Yeah. So. Oh wait, is it called Cinder? Yes. yes. Oh my god, I read that. Oh, oh okay. But I but I read it like years ago, I think, and I didn't ever pick up a sequel. Oh yeah. You have to. The so, story carried throughout is so good, and like the okay, little I just like, didn't tongue recognize. Tongue. The, yeah, the, that's like the over. The bigger one is called. I don't ever. I don't know why I call it okay. Lunar Chronicles. Like I've never referred to. It. It's like okay. I call it the Cinder series. To be honest, but just okay. for our readers, read it's identify. the Lunar Chronicles. She's, yeah, she's yes. mechanical, but it's cool. I remember that. See, yeah, the The last book was one of my favorite. Like. YA books ever. It's called Winter. It's the Snow White okay. version, and she's it's amazing, just amazing. Oh my gosh! Yeah, yeah. It. and she's coming to Cleveland, and I'm gonna wait meet her. Oh, wow. did I know that? I don't she's know. Coming in November. I think I knew that. You have to come. Andrea's like Andrea's pregnant. Uh, who's on the podcast with me? And she her baby is due like on or around the day we're going to go see her. No, and she's we, going. We still bought tickets because <laughs> we're like we got. Where try. is she coming to? Uh, Cuyahoga County Libraries. Are you serious? I checked. part of the. Oh, is she part branch? of the. Is she part of the writer series? She's part of the writer series. I that's don't why. Do you know which branch that would be at then? Probably Parma. That's where the big. Parma. Awesome. That's Parma a guess. I'm. Don't quote me on that. <laughs> anyway, before we get off topic, it's amazing. <laughs> I think. I think the first one. It's. It, it's really like an establishment book. Yeah. It really gets stronger after the first one. Yeah. So I remember after the second one, I was like fully hooked. And I, the second one actually is Scarlet, and it's like Little Red Riding Hood. Right. Mm-hmm, and she mm-hmm. falls in love with the wolf. Mm-hmm, and like mm-hmm. their chemistry is really. Oh, did you? I'm trying to think of something with it now. Crimson Bound? Rosamund Hodge? I have not, but I've seen it. Like is the that cover. A of... I think it's like a. Little red kind of thing. Yes. Yeah, we've um, established that we should do a retellings podcast just right here. I think. Yes, I think that's. Well, we did a fairy tale one. We can always bring it back. Podcast. Did you guys read? Do you have you either of you read Rosamund Hodge at all? 
No. She does retellings, and she actually that's one of the books I put on my list for today. Um, she did Cool Beauty, which is a Beauty and the Beast retelling. Oh, I've heard of that one. And I read a lot of Beauty and the Beast retellings. It's okay. one of my favorite stories sure. to, to look back on, and I think it's honestly probably my favorite thing I've picked up all year. Like, mm. it is, but it's. I, you know, if you're in for, like, the happy endings kind of thing, it's super dark. It's a yes. dark retelling, for sure. On it. And it is, like... So, like, the grim fairy tales actually are. Yeah, she's, I mean, the main character, the, the girl that's, like, your, you know, Beauty. your heroine or whatever, she's, she is not a good person. <laughs> and it's the day kind after of, my birthday. I'm sorry, I don't mean to interrupt, yeah. but she's coming the day after my birthday. Oh, right. That's, like, fate. Serendipity, you have to come. <laughs> We're going to meet her. I'm going I'm to totally, totally to use it. that to my advantage. I'll be like, Marissa, it's her birthday today. Come sign my autograph. Like, give me an autograph. <laughs> sorry, I did not mean to interrupt. Isn't Continue. it like a signing? She, I mean, she has I to assume you have to, like, sign up early for the oh. signing, which I think I did. I we can, we can, we can, anyway, we can figure that out. We'll figure it yeah. out. We're getting off topic. <laughs> dystopia, dystopia, dystopia. So, um, uh, that's funny. Uh, so, Sarah, what have you been reading? Um, I recently read a couple of things that are interesting. Um, I'm going to stick to dystopia. Okay. The, but maybe kind of not. I don't know. I guess that's okay. kind of a question whether it's dystopia or not. But I recently read Fire and Flood by Victoria Scott. And it's... It, kind of takes place in the now but it's kind of super similar to Hunger Games as well where these kids are being sent to an arena and Ooh. there's quests that they have to complete and it's really interesting because they unlike Hunger Games they're not it's like not the government that's making you do this and it's not something you have to do but there's a huge reward and the okay. reward for the main character is basically that her brother is sick and they have a cure and if she wins this Sure. A cure. And, and that's kind of the case for everybody competing in it is that there's this cure and it's a cure-all I guess oh. and everybody who's competing has a loved one who is sick in some way huh. so they're competing to save their loved one so although it's not mandatory that they compete in this they can say no in their situation I guess but like why would you it's right? someone you. it's at the expense someone of that someone that you love yeah. Yeah. right so oh that sure. that sounds really good is she that goes, YA or is that more it is YA okay yeah. She goes and she competes to save her brother, and um, it's the first book in a series, and I haven't picked up the okay. next one yet. Um, but it's got a lot of similarities to Hunger Games. There's like, you know, they form alliances with each other, for the beginning at least, even though they know that only one person can win, and, and so you get to see some cool dynamics there with like the alliance and the friendships, and people trying not to get too close to each other because they know they're going to be competitors later on. <sighs> Kind of that thing. sounds like so, right up my alley, honestly. Yeah, that sounds good. Yeah, that sounds good. Um, I was going to talk about the like my first like experience with dystopia, like what got me really into it. Okay, it's actually a short story. Oh, it's okay. called "Those Who Walk Away from Omelas." I don't know if you guys are familiar with it. I read it. I think in college, it was either high school or college, and it's about it's a utopia. Oh, nice! But um. You find out, like, it's not even a very long story. It's very nondescript and very vague, so there's not a lot of character development. In fact, there's, like, no main character. But So, Omalas is this, like, city that's perfect. Like, anything you could have ever imagined. Like, everything you could have ever hoped for in paradise. Mm -hmm. However, you come to find out that in this story, the reason for their happiness is the misery of one child. So, like, locked in a basement, and, like, the heart of the city is this little child. And, like, they switch it out every... When the child dies, a new child takes its place, and it's that... That misery is the reason for all the utopian society. And, like, there are people in this story who walk away from Omelas, the the name of the story, 
because they can't bear it. Mm-hmm. And it's such, it was like my first, like, because you, you kind of read it with this sense, like, not everything is right within this world. Right. Like, sure. even though they're describing, like, the perfection and the happiness mm-hmm. and all the happiness that people feel, as a reader, you're like, something's not adding up. Because you know inherently that there, there can be no perfection. There always is going to be a cost. So, like, for me, what I love so much about dystopia is, like, the, the way they dissect what is believed to be the utopian society. Because if you think about it, like, talking about Hunger Games, the people in the capital probably felt that they had a utopia, right. but at the cost of those living outside those districts, and kind of just spiraled from there. And I really enjoy I read The Clockwork Orange next, mm-hmm. um, which... That's for sure a dystopia. I don't think anyone believes that there's a utopian society in that no. story. But um, I just, I really kind of enjoyed how they dissect the characters and try to establish sort of a level playing field. Right. So. Now, can we talk about that for a second, the, the idea of utopia? Like, yeah. I was discussing this with a friend the other day. Like, is that even, is that even plausible? Like... Can utopia really ever exist without dystopia? Like, they're completely yeah, no, I don't think so. But I don't think a utopia is ever really a real utopia. There's so, there's always it can't a cost. really exist. You always have yeah, to, there's like, always some kind of cost. It's kind of an oxymoron. It's like ignorance is the basis right. of a utopia. Like, yeah, you don't, you don't question anything, and it's the people that question it that like kind of dissolve it and find the dystopian features. Like, I just I I love that experience. Like, yeah, I I read um, The Road by Cormac McCarthy, which oh, I love that. Such a great book. It is. Such a depressing book, though. So, so dark. I read that, and I remember being like, God, does it get better? No. no. <laughs> it never, no. never gets better. And it's, like, just the bleakest. And, like, Cormac McCarthy is sure. just such a great author. Yeah. Like, he can, he makes you feel things, yeah. even if you don't want to feel them. Like, yeah. he's like, you're going to feel the despondence that the two travelers feel throughout the book. And, like, I don't know why after I read that book that I wanted more. Like I wanted to feel that feeling mm-hmm. again because I think it's, it's it's he's truly gifted in that he makes you feel so much that you're like just like oh I want to like absorb everything. And <laughs> I remember I read that in college and our professor, uh, such a cool professor Jody, Miami University. If you're listening, you changed my life. Um, <laughs> I won't say your last name, but I remember he asked us like what our preference would be in sort of a dyspo- dystopian society, post-apocalyptic. And I'm gonna. I love this game. Okay. Would you survive the apocalypse? Do you want to? Because, mm. like, mm. for me, in the road, no. no. I'd rather just die, like, warm and safe in my bed, or like turn into a zombie and like forget. You know, like I don't want to know. Like <laughs> right. I'd rather just ignorance is bliss. Yes, yeah. like I'm one of those like yeah. fools that like believe the utopian society is <laughs> yeah. just everything that it seems, but. Would you, would you guys want to survive? I don't know if I would want. I think it would depend on which dystopia yeah, we're talking about. Yeah, it definitely depends on what kind of a apocalypse is happening. I yeah, guess, so. like what... I mean, there are certain dystopias I would not want to survive. Like Margaret Atwood's, I would not want to survive The Handmaid's Tale. <laughs> like, that is not a society I would want to live in. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> but I don't know. I don't know. That's a, that's a tricky one. Like Never Let Me Go. Did you guys ever read that one? Uh I don't think so. Kazo Shigura. Sorry, probably butchered that. It's I might. Uh, it sounds, sounds very familiar. familiar. There's, a, there's been a yeah. movie that's been released with Kira Knightley. Um, uh, what's his? Andrew Garfield, such an adorable human. Um, it's basically. <laughs> I think it's. I don't know if it's. In, you know, I haven't read this in a while, but I think it's like not actually specific what time it's set in, or it is. It's okay. set in like a like a time like now, or maybe a little further back. Right. But they start cloning people to harvest their organs. 
Uh, and they kind of treat the clones like as like very second class citizens and they go to these schools and like are taught but like I think I did read that. Yeah, yeah. they're built to be harvested essentially. And then yeah. in this story there's like a love triangle and like do these people actually really feel loved? And it's mm-hmm. it's a love story and it's it's so it's so sad. That sounds really familiar. It's yeah, really that good. Sounds really familiar. She's she's an amazing uh she Kazo sure. I'm not sure. Who the author is amazing and um it was just so sad. So, like, in that sort of experience, like, so in this, in their society, like, the, the people who get these organs, like, are fine with it. Sure. They, like, they accept that, okay, we're gonna, I don't think I could live in that society knowing that we were, even though these people were clones, like, you have to believe that they're getting, like, TNA and they're getting, you're crafting a human. You gotta right. believe they get all the parts that make them human. I couldn't, I couldn't do it. So, I, that one, no. No, yeah. thank you. no thanks. And I think, like, that's the thing, though, like, there's the people who sort of, like, that first wave, like, after whatever the event is, the catalyst that sort of caused it, who are aware of the world before, but then you go several generations down the road, and nobody knows, like, this is just sort of life. Life. Yeah. yeah. They have no knowledge of anything. This is just how it always has been. Right. I'm sure you could, like, argue in our society now that there's dystopian elements that we're all just ignorant to. Yeah. And, like, for the sake of this, we have to do this, and I just... Uh... Yeah. Know. For the most part, no. I think I wouldn't want... I'd either want to be, like, leading the charge to, like, change right. the society or right. just dead. Like, just not a dead. part of it. <laughs> like, either I got, like, knocked out... Like, those are my options. I got knocked out the first wave or I'm a hero. Like, That's right. Like, no. I'm a hero or I'm dead. I'm That's a hero it. or I died in the first wave and no one remembers. Or you could be a dead hero. You could like, be a dead hero, with which a does yeah. sometimes happen. Zombie with a soul. I'm sure that's already a YA book written like several times, but I'm gonna. Wasn't I'll there be. a movie with a guy in it, like <gasps> the zombie? He fell yes. In love with oh, what's it called? Warm Bodies. I don't know. I didn't Nicole. see it. I just remember I wanted to see it, and <laughs> it's I never really got good. To. It's like Romeo and Juliet, and then like yeah, it's really good. And Nicholas Holt is just like such an amazing actor. Sure. Yeah. Um, Children of Men. Yes, I saw the movie. I think I read the book. I did read the book. But it was a long time ago. To be honest, it's one of those cases where I do think I like the movie better. The movie was good. Like no offense, no offense to P.D. James, like he wrote an amazing novel. <laughs> right. But the movie carries the story better. It's very long-winded. I think a lot of like, dystopian novels are very much not to say that they're all long-winded. That's like such a blanket statement, and it's not a bad statement. Yeah. But to establish them, it takes a while. Yeah. Like I feel like to establish this dystopian, yeah, you have to know what happened. Yeah. What brought society down. And that's right. going to take yeah. a while. That is going to so, take a while. The Children of Men is an amazing story, but the movie excels it a bit faster, and you feel a little like more you, succinct. Yes, yeah. and I, I love that story. Yeah, um, that is actually like it's interesting how when it comes to dystopia, the relationships and gender seems to always sort of play a bit of a part, like something with like the Children of Men or The Handmaid's Tale, or um, I have the YA series Matched on here. <laughs> I loved that. See, that's the same thing, though. Like, the relationships and yeah. marriage and who you're paired with. Like, something about that It comes appeals. down to what you were born as, essentially. Yeah. Like, same thing with, like, the Divergent series. Yeah. Which it comes down to, like, who you are, down to your DNA. Right. And obviously, from what we've seen, you can't shape a society based on one factor. Yeah. Right. Because it just all goes to hell. It does. Because everyone's so multifaceted. Yes. Or... We're all divergent. We're all divergent. Like I've taken. Like what would you? Like what <laughs> faction would you be a part of? I'm always like, no, I want to be divergent. I would want to be divergent. Be, I don't want to be a rudite or anything like that. I want to be like all of them in some right. small, great way. <laughs> I know. Um, 
Fifth Wave. I didn't read the book. I did see the movie, which was kind of horrible. Okay, I didn't really like... I feel like I'm one of the few people who didn't like... I'm, I, I, I appreciate the story. I think the story's really good. And the sad thing is, is, like, I'm from Cincinnati, Ohio, originally. Yeah. And there's, like, so many, like, oh, I know where that is. Yeah. Like, you think I'm really, like, this book is for me because right. I love all these elements. And it just didn't hook me the way I thought it would. Just If, I just, if someone described it to me, you know, yeah. there's an alien invasion and it occurs in five ways and there's this really strong female character and then there's, like, all this going on. I'd be like, oh, my God, yes. And it's in Cincinnati. Ha. Huh. Yeah. I read the first book and I was like, huh. Eh, all right. I didn't read the second one. I wasn't I like him. I'm, I'm kind of glad I didn't read the book then. I, I mean, I saw the movie. It was a complete accident. We went to see something else and it was sold out. So we were just like, okay, fifth wave. <laughs> and we went in and we saw it. And I was basically like, this is for 13-year-olds. I don't... What am I doing here? I don't I don't like it. I, think I don't it's like just, it. it. I don't know. I mean, I, I, I want to one day finish the series. Like, I will one day sit down and do it. Because I wonder if it's one of those things that, like, works well in, like, continuation. Is the book better? I mean, the book usually is better. Usually. I don't know. I've not movie. seen the movie because oh, yeah. I wasn't super into okay. the book, but I love Chloe Grace Moretz. I do like her. Like, she's, yeah. She is. Yeah. I did not like the romance element. I don't know if that's in the book or not, but I did not like I'm the sure the movie element. tried to make the romance a much bigger element. Like, <laughs> it was, as they that's do. usually how that works. <laughs> it was super creepy, like... Because the guy... Spoilers. Spoilers. He's, spoilers. Like, he's, he's a bad guy. He, well, he's not a bad guy, but he's, he's an alien, and it's like... He's watching her sleep, and he's changing her clothes while she's unconscious, and taking care of her. And all of a sudden, he's like so in love with her. Supposed to be romantic, and he's not going to kill her like he kills everybody else because he loves her. And I don't understand this thing. Why does this have to happen to all the female characters? Why do they have to have a love interest? Why is the love interest always some terrible human being? A terrible, or just a terrible love interest, like somebody you would never really have romantic inclinations towards. That's what I want to be in the dystopian society. I want to be like the cool best friend that's like, listen, (laughs) no, no, stop it. This guy's bad for you. It is the end of the world. We don't have time to do like, come on. But it is the end of the world. I mean, so you're like, man, my fault. But, world but with that guy, like, you fair. literally have That's fair. That's have, fair. You probably have, like, six guys to choose well, from. Well, then she had a crush <laughs> on the other guy, right? Yeah. And, like, she had a crush on the other guy, so, like, what happens? Like, this is the human. This is the person you're supposed to like. But then as the reader, you're like, why do I like the scary, terrible, yes! sniper dude? Like, it's yes. what is like, what's wrong with me? <laughs> yeah, it really, it makes, it's confliction. I don't, yeah, I don't like in the, I, that does happen a lot, I yeah. feel like, in the dystopian arc, not just in YA. There's always like this weird love triangle. And There's it's like, always a love triangle. Yeah, I'm love. getting kind of sick of it. It's making me disenchanted with YA, honestly. And I get it that like teenagers are horm- they Like that's what pulls them in, and they have hormones, and they're they're just starting to discover their first loves and their new love and all of that. And I get it, but like also when I was 17, I didn't have like the pick of the litter. By the way, I didn't. I, really, no. like, I couldn't even get a dude to look at me. Let right. me have like two <laughs> fighting for my affections. Like. Oh. Presumably, we're on this podcast. We were the girls who were sitting in the corner with our noses in a book. That's why. Fair. Right? Yeah. There was probably like so many guys who were just like, "Just look at me." Look and you were like, "And you were like, no, next chapter. That's next right. Chapter. <laughs> I don't have time for you." No, but it's just, pretty much. Yeah. I don't know. I think that that happens a lot, and I'm not. Obviously, I get sucked in and I read it, yeah. but it is like if you you know blanket statement again. It's like love triangles. Just like I hate them because I don't feel like if you truly love someone, you know. Right. So to start off a relationship and be and have this like, well, I really like him, but then there's him. It's like, well, then you don't really care that much about either of them. Right. right. Where's that spark that you're yeah. supposed to feel? And also, alien sniper guy. Come <laughs> on, just use your mind. Get real, girl. So, speaking of books, 
that don't have love triangles, at least remains to be seen, Queen of the Tyrolean by Erica Johansson came out in 2014. It was her first book, her debut, knocked it out of the park. Um, I think it's set in the 24th century. I don't know if that's a spoiler. That might be a spoiler. (laughs) Sorry, guys. I mean, she kind of, like, hints that it's set in the the future. Although it's... You're well, assuming dystopias. Yeah, yeah we're in the distant that. future, but they've gone back to like medieval times. She's yeah. a princess, um, and then she becomes queen by default, and like all these, like, she just really grows into herself. Like she doubts herself as queen, and she's kind of like the queenship is kind of thrust on her by some like, like she turned nineteen, mm-hmm. I think, and it's like now you're queen, yeah. and she's being guarded by these uh, knights. I don't know if they're called knights. Actually, it's been a couple of months since I've read this book, but, and they doubt her, they don't really believe she's qualified, her mother was this, like, crazy person, who was a terrible, terrible, tyrannical queen, (laughs) and she really comes into her own, and she, like, takes on the Red Queen, and, like, and it's all about her growing into this really badass female role, and she's not your, like, typical YA, it's not really YA, I think it's the new adult genre that's coming out, like, like this new genre. That's where we're, like, in between, you know, it's like they... There are some adult themes, like, with violence and relationships. And right. Yeah, they, like, curse. Not, they don't fade they, to yeah. black. Yeah. There's intimacy. Like, right. Right. You know, yep. but not over the top anything. But it's really about her. It's her story. There really isn't... I, I do think in the coming books that there is a love interest of some sort, but it's really second to, like, the whole story itself. Like, okay. you don't really find yourself caring and for me, I do enjoy romance in a book, but in this in this story, it's all about her, and she isn't your... T- I think I, this is what I was saying earlier. She's not your typical, like, little waif of a YA character who suddenly is, like, graceness is thrust upon her. She's, like, tall and, like, stocky, and, like, people, like, make fun of her looks. Like, it's okay. not like she's just, like... The boy's not, like, and her skin glistened in the sun, and it's like, yeah. no. Right. She's just a badass. Yeah. That's what you need to take away from it, and it was it's really well written, and um, it's going to be made into a movie... Oh, okay. My only issue is they're going to have Emma Watson star, and it's like, what did wait, you take? Wait, what? Yeah, what did stuff. you take from tall, stocky, not very cute woman and think, oh, Emma Watson? <laughs> no. Flawless human yeah, being. Little, like, mm. I understand that there's probably not a well, lot of... Is she... I'm surprised that this, this is a series. Is she going to tie herself to another franchise? In, her, in the quotes about this, she said she was so moved by the book that she signed herself up for another trilogy... Wow. Oh, wow. Because she really wanted to play. All right. Her name's Cassia. Hmm. I think. Everyone says it differently. Huh. I say Cassia. But if you've not read it, I, I completely recommend it. It's Already wrote very, it down. Very well done. Very <laughs> Game of Thrones-esque epic, but not like, you know, 12 books that you have to commit yourself to. It's, it's really good. So on the total opposite of that, have you guys read the selection? No, but I want to. Is that the one with all the girls in dresses on the cover? Okay. I have. I have read it. Oh, yeah. I have mixed feelings. No, I know. I, I remember <laughs> telling... My sister likes dystopian a lot, too, and I remember telling her about it. I was like, so, sort of imagine The Bachelor, yeah. but in dystopia. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's basically like The Bachelor for teenagers. <laughs> and it's, kinda. It kind of is. Yeah. And it's just Wait, like... break it down for me. Break it down. So, it's in this kingdom, and um, they go through this process, the, the prince has to get himself a wife. I mean, they're like teenagers. I mean, okay. like I would say like 16, 17 maybe. And yeah. It's a it's it's like America but but the new Amer- they don't call it America anymore and okay. they like they don't like that name because that name implies certain freedoms obviously. Right, that yeah. 
So. Yeah. Oh, okay. All right. It's definitely that's the dystopia part of it. Right. It's definitely like in this and country's future somewhere. Right. And there's like this sort of weird rebellion undercurrent that comes yeah. out in later books with people who don't like that they're under this like they don't like the, the royal family basically. Right. Okay. Like that. Regime. Is the prince a bad guy? No. No. But how it works is it's. It is a game show. I mean, it's, it's like the it's Bachelor. It's televised event. It's yeah. televised okay, event of okay, him trying okay. to get a wife with these, like, girls from within this country. Or they, they come pull, in. Yeah, and there, there's a caste system, too. Yeah, like, there's a caste system. So if you're, like, a certain caste, you have a specific role in life that you can play. Like, I think the girl that it's about kind of, or from her, is it, it's not really from her perspective, but she's kind of the main player. I think it was from her I'm getting confused. Maybe one of the books isn't. But the first time we, wait, yeah. before yeah. we can, how many books are there? So there are three main ones, and I think now there are two companions okay. that are like That's short. Not, I don't story like. Companions. I yeah. My biggest thing is I hate reading a book and then finding out there's like twelve books in the series. Yeah. No, it's not oh that gosh. big of a series. No. It's not that big, okay. and you don't have to read the companions. Just They're like just, no, okay, right? Okay, yeah, yeah. Good, good, good. no. But I, it's it's like Teenage Bachelor. It is. Yeah. <laughs> It's, I mean, it's, it was it kind just, of fun. I don't know. I think I just, it was like, fun. It was, yeah, it was fun. Like it's kind of a Cinderella story. Like the girl that it's about, she comes from a lower cast, not a not the lowest of the right, lower cast, but one like, of the from lower a ones, mostly yeah. low one. They're like music, musicians and yeah. artists in her cast or whatever. And so when she comes to the palace, like it's this man, you know, just like in Bachelor, it's like a big right. mansion and everything's beautiful and they give you these gorgeous dresses to wear every day and so it's kind of a Cinderella story but at the same time it's there's like this conflict because at first she really doesn't want to be there she and then there's like the underlying mistake. tension of like what's yeah. going on under behind yeah. the scenes like, okay. and all like catty girl fighting like oh, yeah, yeah, teenage yeah, girls do girl <laughs> especially I mean especially when you're competing against however many right, other girls right to become like the princess the, I mean the handsome yeah, prince okay. right I mean, I mean I'm in that's like so I don't really I don't ever watch The Bachelor or The Bachelorette I haven't gotten sucked in I don't blame anyone who does right but I did get sucked into Unreal on Lifetime which is like about <laughs> the producers of the show and I was like oh, I could watch anything about this so I think I would really I would like that um and I see the covers all the time. Yeah, yeah. I always pick them up. And the I'm covers like, are gorgeous. They are gorgeous. I want like every single dress yeah. on the cover yeah. of the books. Okay, Agreed. that kind of I'm, I'm gonna write. I'm gonna read. Yeah, that, you should. I want, what do you think it is? Because there's so many YA dystopian books. What mm-hmm. is it like? I really and they're so popular too. Like, what do you think it is that makes? I mean, I think there's just no limit in where you can. I think it's hard to write if you think like to write a YA book about teenagers experiencing just their life as it is now. Do you think that that would be interesting? Not not to like not to discredit like real life, but I think this is what teens when you're like, you know, young, I think you want an escape. You don't yeah. really want to read about teenagers going through what you're going through. Like, think about like teenage drama shows. Like One Tree I'm going back to when I was a teenager, like One Tree Hill and the OC. That was show was about teenage teenagers, but teenagers and highly centralized like crazy crazy things were happening to them that, right like, it was so out there that it would never really happen to you in your high school i think teens want to be able to relate yeah. in a way that they can't relate it back to themselves because it still works as an escape mechanism no i completely agree yeah i i think i think that that age is kind of a virtuous age where you're like everything's new and you're you're budding into the person you're going to become and it, there's high emotion and there's like it's scary. Yeah, it's it's like a it's it's but it's almost also magical at the same time. Yeah, like you're feeling you're, so you're much hitting, yeah. Your body is transforming. Your your mind is developing more than it ever has before. You're turning into an adult, and it's kind of like 
you're just on the cusp, you're on the edge of something really, really big, maybe. And I think you kind of, like you said, you kind of need something to match that. Like, yeah. boring everyday life just doesn't yeah, like capture how, you that. Just want no. something you need something that... big and magical to go with it, yeah. so it needs to be something... And there's no limits with yeah. the dystopia, because you can describe something, you can make up a whole world, and you have the creativity at your fingertips to be like, this is what the world is like. No, it has, you know, it's it's reminiscent of what the old world used to be like, so you really rely on these kids and adults and everyone who reads why you rely on their imagination. And I think there's something so awesome about using your imagination in a story. Like, for me, it's why it's always so hard when movie or when books get turned into movies, especially in this in this group, because it doesn't match what I saw in my head. Right. And how could it? Because everybody's head is different. And I just think it, it really... It's such a big genre for teenagers and anyone who reads YA because it really helps you escape from your real life. And the drama sometimes is so intense that when you do come back to your real life, you're like, ooh, okay. I'm glad that my life isn't as <laughs> yeah. crazy as theirs. That's so true. I think that that helps. It's probably also easier to sort of be able to imagine yourself as the hero or the, the heroine or whatever when it doesn't actually match your life. Because, you know what I mean? Like, you're reading, like, The Hunger Games, and you're like, I don't know... This is, like, so outside of my personal experience and my realm of understanding. You can be like, oh, yeah, I would totally do what Katniss is doing because it's just... Oh, no, in that scenario, I die. Okay, well, maybe... (laughs) Maybe Hunger Games is a bad example. But, I mean, I think it's just sort of... Immediately. I'm just like, guys, let's all just acknowledge right now that I'm not making it. You don't make it past the cornucopia, right? Just someone shoot me with an arrow as soon as I jump off the cornucopia. My family's aware. They know I'm not coming home. But I, think it, I do think it's that escapism, though. Like, it's easier to sort of escape into that world yeah. when it is absolutely nothing at all, like, your own. Because <laughs> it is. Like, I think and you're like, I can read this. I can disengage with my... And I think that's why I read YA. Because, I, I mean, I'm an adult. But for me, YA is still so great because I can disengage. Yeah. It's really fun to still get caught up in... To talk about the fairy... Not the fairy tale because there is this, like, underlying, like, is there going to be a happy, mm-hmm. happy ever after, which is why you keep reading... But this, like, magical place or this crazy place where, you know, a regular person from a lower caste or from a poor family can become the hero. Yeah. I think mm-hmm. that that's, that's yeah. what keeps you reading. Yeah. I think it has a lot to do with, again, what you said, but I think for me personally, something about dystopia is that there's always a dark element. Mm-hmm. And we live pretty fortunate lives. We, we have decent jobs we we live in a country that is a free country and we have liberties and we have rights that other countries in the world do not have um so I think like you said nothing about our lives is really dystopian really um but it kind of gives us a taste of what it would be like if if there was and and I think maybe because we see so much I mean I know that there's war in the world and we see that but there is so much sunshine and happiness Mm -hmm. With, with our daily lives that getting a glimpse of that darker side is almost like this indulgence yeah. kind of to, to see the other side of things like that and I do want to touch on a book that is not young adult at all but I feel like is kind of dystopian that I read recently called The Traitor Baru Cormorant okay it. I don't think so it's written by Seth Dickinson I think in September of 2015 okay so almost a year ago and I don't know how popular it's getting but the, the dystopian part of it is kind of really subtle. It's kind of steampunky. Okay. It's almost like fantasy medieval, but then you are you noticing things going on, like people have some old-fashioned guns and some torpedo-y things and some, I don't want to call them airships, but like, you know, 
yeah. Zeppelin kind of okay. things going on. Um, but the book is about this uh, this girl. That there's a there's an empire, kind of like a, a Roman empire or something. Okay. And then the whole I think background of it is that they they colonize other places. They go in and they take over and they destroy that culture basically and put their own doctrines in place. And her, they come to her island when she's very young and they do this. They build schools and they basically practice eugenics and, and <coughs> get rid of all yeah. the oh, great. undesirable qualities yeah. that there are. And then they raise the kids who are local up. They raise them up to be, you know, basically clones of, clones of their own ideologies. And it's she becomes one of their top people, basically. She rises up and she does really well. And they send her to another place they're colonizing to be kind of the commander there. And she's been indoctrinated from a very young age to believe in their things, but she keeps this seed of rebellion inside of her heart, like since she's a child, that mm-hmm. they did this to my land and they did this to my people and I, you know, I'm going to do what they say and I'm going to follow their rules, but someday I'm going to take them down from the inside and someday I'm going to have this. And it's a recurring theme throughout the book, but she goes to this other land and she she does what they're asking her to do and she follows the rules and she just is kind of this really dark, horrible, terrible human being. I she love is, when they're dark and twisty. Dark and twisty. I love it. She is... And, and it's kind of like there's this... It's this clever, clever thing about how Seth Dickinson wrote this book is that you've got this book full of imperial politics and eugenics and just kind of like a I don't know kind of like this book that has these really complex ideas and there's this character and she's your main character and she's your hero kind of Mm -hmm. without being a hero and she's just absolutely like unfeeling she's she's like she has this complete austerity for everything she just has this unfeeling attitude she you cannot do anything to get her to sympathize with you. She is just all about being very strict and following the rules, and she doesn't let her emotions show ever, and she doesn't for one second ever, ever let her guard down and let anybody see a soft side of her ever. And despite all of this, despite her being this terrible, villainous person, <laughs> you just, like, I don't know, you love her for it for some reason. Like, you just, you find yourself, like, I need to know what she wants so that I can root for her right. kind of thing. You want to root for her. Right. So you and and it, the whole... it has these, like, I love the book for so many reasons, but you've just got this fantastic world building. You've got diversity when it comes to race and sexuality mm-hmm. and, and, and everything else. Um, this this f- strong female character, she's not like other strong female leads that you see. She's not this self-deprecating, self-doubting teenager. She is a grown woman. And she believes in herself, and she knows that she's a badass, and she knows that she's the boss, and that people are afraid of her, and she revels in it. And everybody has these, like, gray area intentions. Nobody's inherently good or bad. So what's the name of the name? It's called The Traitor Baru Cormorant. It is seriously fantastic. All right. I mean, you've convinced me. It is the best thing ever. No, like, it's so funny. I'm going on and on about it. I know, but it is so amazing. When you say that, like, I find myself, like, rooting for these terrible people not when it's the terrible boyfriend character like those guys just get rid of them all but like when it's someone who is just like I love like the little peek backs that authors give us when like the female character or the male character whomever like they start off and you're like ugh this character is so horrible right but I want to know their story I'd rather have that I'd rather 
be faced with these terrible people. And yeah. then, like, Clockwork Orange, I love that book. Yeah. It's one of my favorites. And Alex is just terrible. Yeah. And the whole point of the book is that he's this, like, nihilistic teenager, mm-hmm. doesn't really seem to be going anywhere and, like, just doing <laughs> terrible things, murdering, raping. Like, not, not on board with that, but, like, you're really reading this story because you want to know what happens to him. Right. And I love, and this is one of my biggest critiques of this story. So the UK version of the book has a final chapter that kind of, like, gives some, like, hope for him. Mm-hmm. Not really great hope. Like, he decides that if he's going to have a family, he should stop murdering people. Yeah. <laughs> and then he, like, makes this, like, tongue-in-cheek comment that his son will probably be worse than he is. And as a reader, you're like, oh, my God, I hope not. Right. <laughs> but I love that chapter. In the yeah. American version, they cut it. And they cut what? it in the, in the... So the film, I believe, Stanley Kubrick's film doesn't give that glimpse of him kind of coming to, like, should I keep murdering people? Right. But I think when it's this terrible person, that's another escapism, because you're like, I'm not like this person. I'm actually not half bad half the time if I think about it. So I don't I don't know if there's some... That's, like, an escape. Like, you you root for the terrible people, but you also remove yourselves from them? Or I do. I root for all of the villains. The villains are always my favorite. I always want to know more about them. Yes. Have you read Prince of Thorns? No. It's not really dystopian, but that's another book where it's, like, the main character is, like, just a devil. A complete, like, raping, pillaging. He is awful. He has a black soul, and he's the first person to tell you he has a black soul, and he's unapologetic about it. He doesn't even huh. care. It's not even like, oh, I'm a tortured, tortured like guy no that wishes I was good, but right. I'm doing terrible things. He's no, not that he's at all. Just... He's like, I am going to burn your village down, and I'm going to stand here and laugh. Like, he doesn't I like care. It. And I like when there's no, like, backstory. Like, I'm yeah. not terrible because this, like, horrible tragedy right. thing happened yeah. to my youth. I'm like, just no, terrible. I'm just, a horrible I'm just a person. bad person. Sorry. This is just how I am. And I, I, I don't know. I, I like when you're not getting the atypical, or you're not getting the typical character. Like, you're getting... I like hearing, like you said, the villains. Yeah. Or, like, it's so interesting, because, like, any perspective in a story, you don't know if you're getting the villain side of things. Like, yeah. it's, you just have to assume that this is the good guy mm-hmm. if we're getting their perspective. But, no, not yeah, really. Yeah, these books leave no... No room for questioning. Like, this is he is it. the bad guy. He's a horrible. There is no, there's no there's questioning who the bad guy is, and I love it. I, I love the villains. I, I always will. You do not have to explain it. <laughs> Don't worry. Does anybody have a favorite dystopian story or book? Mm. I know you're the Clockwork Orange. Every everything. Everything talked about. Yeah. <laughs> or the road. I don't know why the I love the road so yeah. much. I mean, I would like if someone was like, "Do you have any good like good book recommendations?" Yeah. I would never say the road because I'd be like, "Do you want to feel horrible? Yeah, do you want to hate your life for the, every second you're reading this? <laughs> yes. It's not a beach read, okay? <laughs> it's not. But I think they're just very well. I think it really it's the tone of both those stories, both Clockwork Orange and The Road. Is it's very bleak and desolate, mm-hmm. and you feel that. Yeah, and I, I love I love when a book, no matter what genre it is, can make me feel something yeah even if it is sad or terrible or whatever I think you do a good job as an author when I'm not just reading it I hate when I'm reading a book and I'm just reading it to get to the next thing yeah like almost kind of like okay I'm invested in not not to discredit the fifth wave I'm sure a lot of people like it but for me I felt like I was reading it to just be like okay kind of like what happens what happens yeah whereas like with the road I remember being like just so distraught because I started to realize that this book was not going to end in a good way right I'm reading um the Light Between Oceans, or I just finished The Light Between Oceans. That's not dystopian at all, but it's you get that sense towards the end where you're like, 
this isn't gonna wrap up. No, it's gonna like, be okay. There's not gonna be some daisies yeah. and rainbows that roll in. I got like seven pages left. So I, it's it's I I love no matter how I feel. I love when I feel something and some all the books that we've talked about. Never let me go. All of them today. Like you're gonna feel something. Have you ever read Oryx and Crake by Margaret Atwood? So this is my favorite. It's actually probably one of my absolute favorite books ever of all time. But it it opens up with this guy who goes by the name Snowman. It's a nickname. Um, and he is out in this vast wasteland of, like, it's like in, like most Margaret Atwood dystopian novels, it's, like, set in this sort of near future, far mm-hmm. enough away where, like, technology is advanced. But it feels very close to home. And um, he's just sort of wandering and trying to survive this desolate world <laughs> like there's nobody else and you sort of except for these like weird sort of human creatures I mean they're human but they're like genetically engineered and um he sort of like goes through the backstory of what happened to everybody <laughs> and like why he's left and why he sort of feels like he has to take care of these um they're called crakers he has to take care of these crakers and it's just it's it's sort of like like you get you're like this is not gonna end well, <laughs> but it's like and I, I appreciate that I appreciate that things don't always end well. I think yeah, that's the acceptance that we have to take. That's you know you go on the ride with these books like in a series like remember like the Lunar Chronicles is five books like I wouldn't want to read a five book series to have everything just like go horribly wrong. Right, but, you know I do appreciate the books when it's like. It's just like the fade off. Like this is just where we're gonna leave our character, and that's just that's how the world works. Yeah. You don't always get to see the full story, and I, I love that too. And I, I don't know. I think like dystopian novels are so interesting. There's also this like other side of it. Like, do you ever worry that people are reading these like can make this happen? <laughs> I sometimes look around society a little bit these days, and I'm like, oh yeah. goodness, it's like we're living in a dystopian novel. We're like, yeah, we're mean, at that like point. Of, are we like, asking for this when we were far <laughs> no, That's what I mean. I mean, I'm, sometimes I'm like, is this the apocalypse? Like, is it just about to like roll in? Because like, I gotta get comfortable, not, especially with all the things that have been going on recently. That's like, what I mean. Like, I just like it. It place. just feels like right now in particular, and I don't know. Maybe it's been like this for a while, but I'm only just like sort of feeling it because I'm an adult and like a grown up and fully functioning and all that but it's just yeah it feels like we're sort of at that point in that story where society is about to like we're hit the, that we're catalyst on, we're on about the collapse of society we are right now, and it's <laughs> like, like I, balancing on the collapse of society I don't see myself being the hero that rises up here guys so yeah. time to roll over no not at all <laughs> so I, I mean it's and I wonder if that's why so much I mean I wait think it's Dystopia especially has grown in the past couple years with the you know the YA authors sure. who are taking it and making it um, part of their genre. People, I think, can imagine that it could happen. Yeah, like that our world could turn to crap. Well, I think everybody expects some sort of apocalypse at some point in the yeah. future, whether that's... But like, not in your life. Like, everyone that talks about it is like, no, not in my lifetime. Not in my lifetime, yeah. People oh, no, I'm that. totally convinced it's going to happen. Yeah, whether people <laughs> expect, like, some kind of, like, I don't know, like... A, militarized takedown of the government right. or whether they expect some kind of religious apocalypse or, or just a zombies. N- zombies or zombies or, or like a the earth is dying kind of apocalypse I think that's kind of yeah 
That's what World on Fire was for our yeah. summer read for school. Okay. World on Fire was like the world just like erupts in flames because it's like dying. Yeah. And these kids were at summer camp when it happened. And it's like, whoa! <laughs> this is... And the one thing I do like about that book is like the main character is like... It like comments about how she just looks like rough. Yeah. Because in an apocalypse, like, you're not going to wake up and have perfectly curled hair and your armpits are going to be shaved. Like, right. you're going to be like, I haven't brushed my teeth in, like, four weeks, okay? <laughs> like, I'm not going to look my best. Like, that was a, I liked that book. Did anybody book. read Seven Eves? Definitely either. more on the sci-fi. Okay. Super, super. Oh, way, I know which one you're talking about, but I have not read sci-fi. it. Right. But the world does kind of end. Like, the moon blows up. Mm-hmm. And without the moon, we don't have, you know. doesn't control the tides. Doesn't control, it controls a lot of gravity, actually. So, Earth basically just has gravity issues and has atmosphere issues and the moon has exploded into billions of pieces and these are basically forming like a hailstorm of bullet lights that just come down and just wreck it and they turn everything to fire and they have two years to prepare for this because the astrophysicists who watch it happen they're like all right listen we just saw this happen and we know what's going to happen next and you need to prepare for it so basically they give the whole world two years like all right get your stuff together like figure this out we need to save humanity because earth will be destroyed so they do have time to, like, send people up to the International Space Station and kind of, like, make a genetics bank where mm-hmm. people can, like, freeze embryos or whatever and, and all of that. But it's it's one of the things that bothered me about reading it. And it took me a long time to get through it because it's such a technical sci-fi. It's like a military sci-fi mm-hmm. thing where they're describing, like, propellant and, and <laughs> right. astrophysics and stuff like that and I, I didn't get into that part of it but one of the things that really bothered me is they start to talk about you know all of these astronauts that they're that the story is about essentially they're the ones that survived but they're all thinking back to you know two years ago when when this happened and the moon exploded and all their loved ones because only a certain amount of people did get saved and it's like well I want to hear those stories I right. want to know about you know this astronaut is thinking about her father who was trying to survive by going underground what happened to him did he survive and you never find out like the end of the book happens and you never find out like Hmm. what was it like for them yeah what happened to them we know what happened to the people that went up to space and survived what happened to the people on earth like i wanted to hear more about it like what happens to us yeah (laughs) here does everybody die all at once or does it take people a while to die off yeah because that's where that's where i I don't like that idea that it takes us a while to die off like i don't want to be part of that wave like i just want to be either like initially died off or was the astronaut up in space Mm. and i'm not seeing myself be either of those scenarios so but I think, it, I don't know, I mean, it's such an interesting concept to think of because we do have, you know, we have scientists and very intelligent people studying so many things that, like, they probably reasonably know right. that our world's not going to sustain itself forever. Right. But do they tell people? I don't, that's what I would say. <laughs> panic. Like, the, the... It would be panic indeed. The, the, what's it called? The volcano under Yellowstone. Yeah. Yeah. That's, like, do, it's, like, past due for an eruption or yeah. something that if it were to erupt... Like, we'd all be, like, screwed. I mean, maybe here in this country, but I don't know about all the world. Eat that candy bar. <laughs> yeah. You know what? There's a volcano that can erupt at any time. I'm going to eat these cookies. That is good. That is good life advice. But it is. It's like, we really are kind of, like, you don't think about it, because why would you? But things could go wrong at any time. Do you think people in California feel that way? With, like, the rumors about California sinking slowly oh, into know. the ocean? Do you think they know. just feel like that's coming any day now? Maybe. I don't know. Like, you should ask someone. You should, like, do you think like people like make jokes about it and then like in the no- like in the novels that'll get written years from now be like we were joking and then, like, <laughs> <laughs> we're sitting on my porch joking about California City and then we sunk into the ocean. Yeah. 
Maybe. I don't know. I don't know. I feel like we could talk about dystopia for like a million years. A million years. But we are unfortunately going to have to wrap it up for this yeah. time. But I will definitely have you guys back because this was fun. And there's lots more dystopia to talk about. Yes. Um, yes. So real quick, is there any books coming out in the future that you guys are really excited about? Yes. Okay. Yes. Share. I want to read this book called On the Edge of Gone. Okay. By Corrine. I don't know how to say her last name, so I'm sorry That's if I okay. It's Corrine Divis, I think okay. it's something like that. Um, it's technically sci-fi, but it's definitely like an end-of-the-world, end-of-time story, and it's written from the perspective, supposedly, I don't know, it came out in March, but I haven't gotten to it yet. My library doesn't have it yet, so to me, it's it like wait, yet to yeah. come. Um, but um, this girl named Denise uh, is in this bad kind of home situation where her mom's like a druggie, and she's autistic, and she... Um, People are, like, being, you know, the earth is ending, there's a comic going to hit, and people are being put in temporary shelters, and people are, like, it's kind of, I don't know if it's a lottery basis, like, I'm only going off of blurbs and sure. ARC, like, right. reviews right now, but, like, um, I feel like it would be a really interesting perspective and voice to hear, like, yeah. from an, an autistic main character. Yeah, for sure. And, like, the day that the day that they're doing this, the day that this is happening where everybody's going to the shelters, mm-hmm. her sister is missing and she can't find her. Uh, and her mom is kind of like in this drug-induced stupor and isn't helping out and it's like I guess that's kind of like the beginning of the book but I'm really interested to read it I'm really excited about it. Yeah, that sounds good. <laughs> uh, the third book in the Queen of the Tearling series I think comes out in November. I'm really excited about that. I'm really excited to see how that like closes. Yeah. Um, this is already out um, Carrie Ryan wrote The Forest of Hands and Teeth, and I've been, like, needing to read that, like, forever. It's, it's really good. It's good. I, I like keep, like, it. picking it up and not, like, doing yeah. anything with it. I gotta read it. I'm, I'm excited. It's a little weird in the beginning, or at least for me, it was a little weird in the beginning, and I had to, like, make myself get into it, like, or get past the halfway point, and then once I got past the halfway point, I was like, oh, I'm really into this. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that makes me feel better, because I, I have it, I just haven't. Yeah. So I think I'm going to read that next. Um, so I'm looking forward to so there's this series the first one called The Invisible Library came out in June I think from my understanding I think the books were released in the UK before and so they're slowly kind of coming out now not slowly actually they're coming they're quickly coming out because they've already been published in the UK anyway um, so it's this like she's a librarian and she basically like lives in this alternate world library where she can like go into these alternate worlds and like she has to like grab books from them okay i definitely want to survive this yes yes so uh (laughs) so like if you've read jasper ford or like deborah harkness i would highly recommend this so the invisible library is out the second one the masked city comes out in september um and i had an arc of it and i read it and it's really good and then the third one the burning page comes out in december so I'm looking forward, yeah, to to that and, like, getting to talk to people about it. <laughs> so, you, this, it's a series. I don't know if there's going to be any beyond the three. That I don't know. But at least the three are coming out within, like, a six-month time frame. Three I can frame. handle. I like yeah. that it's three. A trilogy I can handle. Trilogies Those are good. Three, like, I know. Yeah. I don't know if there's going to be any more, but... I like books that correlate with each other, but you can yeah, read them as You can read them. Yeah, standalones. Yeah. yeah. And Rosamund Hodge. I know I mentioned her, like, five times. That's okay. I'm fangirling over it. She's one of my new favorites, but she's coming... Uh, her new book comes out in September. It's called Bright Smoke, Cold Fire. Okay. And I like I the title. I do, yep, too. It's coming out in September, and I think it's a spinoff of Romeo and Juliet. 
Ooh, I nice. think. Okay. So we got another retelling. Yeah, we do. She, I think that's kind of her specialty. She's done like Cool Beauty was like a Beauty and the Beast, and Crimson Bound was Little Red Riding Hood. Okay. I think she has another one. I I want to say that there's a Sleeping Beauty one, but I'm not certain about that. Don't, okay. Don't, don't quote you. Yeah, <laughs> we won't. Um, I mean, but I'm excited I about it. I love retellings. Yeah. Me too. We'll have to do. We can do. Well, thank you so much, every yeah, everyone, the two of you, for coming on the podcast. I hope you guys had fun. Thanks, I had a blast. Good, such a good time. Good, yay! Love you back then. Um, so you know, all these books can be found on Overdrive. You can let us know if you have any of your own favorite dystopians. And with that, happy reading. Bye, everyone. Readers can sample and borrow the titles mentioned in today's episode from Overdrive.com, and our library friends can add these titles to their collections and marketplace. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply.